all the things you prayed for. Chapter 5 Old Dogs, New Tricks Kravitz is very good at compartmentalizing. He's a spy. It's a required skill. When he gets word that Captain America has been branded an enemy of S.H.I.E.L.D. and is wanted in connection to Lucretia's murder, there's still a part of him that very badly wants five minutes to deal with all the shit the world's decided to throw at him this week. There's footage of her emerging from a stairwell and running through the open lobby of the Triskelon to the parking garage. There's footage of her single-handedly taking a helijet with just her shield and her motorcycle, then dropping into the Pontemac to escape capture. Kravitz is good at compartmentalizing, and that's good because it means Kravitz can pointedly not think about metal arms and the memory of a bullet tearing through his flesh and focus on the immediate problem at hand instead. It requires his full attention anyway. Barry calls, and Kravitz lets it go to voicemail. It seems prudent when he's preoccupied with staying out of sight in the hospital. If Loop were anyone else, she wouldn't immediately return to her last known location. But Loop is Loop, and she said she'd be back to meet him here, so she's going to be back. It's a good thing Kravitz is on Loop's side, or she'd be in trouble. He has a message notification on his shield phone, orders telling him to bring Captain America in if he sees her, he assumes. He's ignoring that, too. He'll have to ditch both phones soon if he and Loop are running, but for now, the hospital is a place Kravitz has a plausible reason for lurking. Lucretia's body hasn't left the morgue. He's waiting maybe half an hour before Loop comes down the corridor, wearing sweatpants and a hoodie in sneakers that are a couple sizes too big, keeping her head down in a way that broadcasts her desire not to be noticed as clearly as if she were yelling it. Kravitz resists the urge to roll his eyes and slips out into the hallway beside her when she passes the room he's hiding in. S.H.I.E.L.D. has some interesting things to say about you, he says, keeping his voice soft and pleasant. There are plenty of other people in the hospital, visitors and staff alike. Their best option is blending in, and Kravitz is a lot better at doing that than Loop. He pulls out his S.H.I.E.L.D.-issued phone as a woman passes them in the hall and slips it into her purse. I assume... I haven't opened the message they sent me, but I did see the news in the waiting room. Loop glances at him, trying and failing to look nonchalant, and then stops dead in her tracks, staring at him. Crav, she says. What are you wearing? Kravitz is wearing scrubs. They're purple and slightly too big to add bulk to his frame. He can't do much about his hair, besides put it up in a messier bun than he normally would. He looks as average as possible. Forgettable. Any nurse in any hospital. S.H.I.E.L.D. agents are mostly white, and Kravitz lifted the badge of a black male nurse. He'll pass any cursory inspection. Clothes, he says, 
I have some for you, too. Where did you get clothes? Did you go shopping? We're in a hospital, Kravitz says, taking Gloop's hand in his, and shifting so he's turned towards her, his body language projecting that she's the only thing he's paying attention to as he glances up and down the hallway for anyone watching them. People bring extra clothes when they go to work. You stole! Yes, Kravitz says. They won't miss them. Come on. Kravitz opens the door to the closet. He stashes the change of clothes for Loop in and nudges her inside. Loop looks unimpressed. We have more important things to worry about than stolen clothes. You're all over the news, and the hospital is crawling with shield agents. He fishes the bag of stolen clothing out from behind the rack of cleaning supplies and holds it out. Please change. The please helps mollify her. Kravitz can practically see the tension rolling off loop in waves as she takes the bag from him. You said it was on the news? Loop. You took out a helijet escaping. Of course it was on the news. Right. Loop turns her back on Kravitz and strips off the hoodie. He looks away. You don't have to help me, Krav. And if you do, S.H.I.E.L.D. will be after you, too. Kravitz knows that, but Loop knows he knows. She's offering him an out. It's suspicious, don't you think? He asks after a moment. He's had time to think this through. Lucretia sends me in for the data on that drive. She ends up dead at the Winter Soldier's hands. Then, S.H.I.E.L.D. brands you an enemy? It's transparent as glass. Someone is trying to cover something up. S.H.I.E.L.D. has helicarriers prepped. Loop says. Three big ones, fully armed. Lucretia says they could predict a threat and take it out before it happened. That they're the future of national security. Kravitz has heard that kind of logic before. It's the kind of reasoning they used in the Red Room on the rare occasion they felt the need to justify their actions. Targets who were a little too chummy with the Americans— Rumors that stood in for reason. Someone was acting suspicious. Someone had spoken out of turn. Someone had slighted the program, their handlers. Kravitz has killed men over office rivalries. The ability to point a gun at someone's head and pull the trigger from a distance. The plausible deniability of saying you weren't really responsible while shaping the world into exactly what you wanted it to be? It's exactly the kind of rhetoric that made people mad with power. Someone at S.H.I.E.L.D. is dirty, and Lucretia was trying to expose them, he says. Now they're targeting you. I think they know she told me something. There's a pause. I'm changed now. You can look. Kravitz turns his head. Loop, dressed in the skinny jeans, a t-shirt, and the more appropriately sized pink hoodie he stole for her, still looks like Captain America. 
It's the way she holds herself, and the look in her eyes, the determination. Now, I don't know if S.H.I.E.L.D. knows about the drive, but they're definitely... Something is up, Crab. Something big. Big enough to bring the Winter Soldier in to kill Lucretia. Kravitz nods and pulls the drive from his pocket, offering it to Loop. Your boyfriend has been calling me, he says. The nursing stations have computers we can use. Let's find an easily distracted nurse, Loop says, pushing past him and out of the closet. She pulls out her phone. Kravitz plucks it out of her hand before she can make a call, giving her an unimpressed look. You know they can track this, right? I ditched the shield one, she says. That's the phone Barry gave me. Uh-huh, says Crab. They're going to be covering all their bases tracking you down. Why do you think Barry's been calling me and not you? Loop frowns. How would they even know about it? They're an intelligence agency, Loop, Kravitz says. Assume you're being watched at all times because you are. He pauses. Give me sixty seconds, then figure out a distraction. Kravitz walks to the nurse station. Loop is more than capable of coming up with a decent distraction in under a minute. He leans against the station counter and smiles at the woman behind it, easy and open. Busy down here today? It's always busy, the nurse, Gina, according to her name tag, says, looking him over. Not unfriendly yet. She tilts her head, smiling at him, a little flirty. Kravitz can work with that. You look like a man who wants something from me. Kravitz laughs and leans in closer. <laughs> you caught me, he says. Dr. Park is in wound care and sent me looking for someone who could help with the patient that just got transferred to us. Doesn't speak a word of English and our Russian speakers aren't around. We're pretty sure his daughter's on the way, but Dr. Park said there might be someone down here. Gina rolls her eyes. Because none of us have work to do today. Yeah, I think Victoria speaks Russian. Hold on, I'll... Somewhere down the hall, something falls over, loudly. Kravitz and Gina stare at each other for a long moment. Then Kravitz leans back and, yep, Loop managed to knock over a shelf full of hospital gowns. A little aggressive, but definitely distracting. Jesus he says, the benefits of wound care. Nobody's that lively. Motherfucker, Gina says, getting to her feet. Hold that thought while I figure out what fresh nonsense this is. Kravitz smiles and pointedly doesn't offer to help clean up the mess, stepping behind the desk as Gina leaves. I'll stay out of the way. No worries. Take your time. As soon as Gina's out of sight, he sits at her station and dials Barry's number on Loop's phone. It's a risk, but it's better than going through the hospital lines. Barry answers before the first ring finishes going through. 
Loop, hun, you shouldn't— Kravitz already knows he shouldn't, but right now he doesn't have another choice. Not Loop. It only throws Barry off for a second. Okay, he says. Krav, are you with Loop? What the fuck is— No time, Kravitz says. Shield's dirty, or someone at Shield is. Loop's safe. I'm sending you an email from a computer I need you to access. I'm going to plug in a thumb drive, and I really hope you can read it fast, because I'm guessing Lucretia's assassination has a lot to do with whatever's on it. There's a pause as Barry takes that in. The sound of rapid footsteps distantly, on the other end of the line. Kravitz uses the time to log in to a burner email account and shoot Barry an innocuous message about the weather. Okay, Barry says, sounding a bit out of breath. I was making a grilled cheese, but I'm in my lab now. Jarvis, have you got Kravitz's location? Agent Kravitz is currently at George Washington University Hospital, sir, Jarvis says. I have the IP address of his computer, and I'm networking in. Cool, says Barry. Kravitz, whenever you're ready, Jarvis and I are here. A loop appears from around the corner and gives him a quick thumbs up. I distracted them. Kravitz snorts. <laughs> I heard, he says. Barry's on the phone. Barry, I'm going to plug in the drive now. He ducks under the desk to stick the drive into the terminal and hears Barry hum on the other end of the line. This is fascinating, he says. The data is protected by some kind of AI. It's... Jarvis, can you... I'm trying, sir, Jarvis says, as pleasant as always. I'm afraid S.H.I.E.L.D. has been alerted to the whereabouts of Agent Kravitz and the captain. We knew it was likely, Kravitz says, sitting back up and watching the screen. He has no idea what's happening, but there's a program running. Barry. I'm trying to... Jarvis is copying the program, and we're quarantining it on the server here in New York, Barry says. We cut it off from the network. Keep working on decrypting it and getting rid of this AI, but whoever programmed this thing is almost as smart as me. Barry says it, matter-of-factly, like it's a given. Kravitz can't help grinning. Almost? Almost, Barry says. We've got the origin point for the data. It's... He stops. Maybe we don't. New Jersey? Does that seem right? New Jersey, Kravitz repeats, frowning, because sure, danger and betrayal can come from anywhere, but Jersey. Hold on, Barry says, and a browser window pops up on the screen and opens Google Maps. Kravitz watches as an invisible hand types in a latitude and longitude. What about New Jersey? Loop asks, leaning over the desk to peer at the screen as the map reloads. Barry traced the data to its origin point, Kravitz says, the place it was created. I know what an origin point means, Krav, Loop says. She's frowning at the screen, like maybe she also knows what the fuck could possibly be in Wheaton, New Jersey. 
you recognize the town. That's where they made me, she says. That's Camp Lay. Kravitz hears a shouted order at the end of the hall to spread out and look for Captain America. Shield's here, he tells Barry. You copy the program? Not yet, Barry says. Jarvis almost has it. Give us a minute and we can... Kravitz pulls the drive from the computer and gets to his feet. We need to move. I'll call you from a secure line, when it's safe. He hangs up and then drops the phone in the trash, picking up a file and a pair of reading glasses that probably belong to Gina as he walks out from behind the desk. Walk slow, he says, keeping his voice low as he flips open the file. He holds the glasses out to loop. Wear these and duck your head. Look sad. You stole her glasses, Kravitz, Loop says. She needs those. We need to escape here without being arrested for treason. Loop makes a face, but takes the glasses, sliding them on. Fine, but I can't see a thing in these. They're temporary. Kravitz says. He's not sure what to do. They had the drive, still. If they can't make it work here, and if S.H.I.E.L.D. will be on them before Barry and Jarvis can copy it, and if they stay local, that seems likely, then they need to follow the one lead they have. How do you feel about a road trip? Loop glances up at him and grins. Jersey? Jersey, Kravitz says. I'll steal us a car. Driving to Jersey with Kravitz helps keep Loop distracted. She likes driving. Kravitz has changed out of his stolen scrubs at the hospital and is back in all black everything, and it's a relief. He looks like himself now, not some smiling nurse in purple all soft and friendly. Kravitz is hard-edged and sharp, is an asshole in a way people don't always pick up on. She likes this Kravitz better, even if he is mission-focused and not chatty right now. She wishes she could call Barry, but apparently Kravitz will steal someone's glasses, but not their phone. It's a good thing they both know how to read a map. Barry relies entirely on Jarvis and his GPS. They're nearing the side of Camp Lay, radio playing softly, tuned low because Kravitz is paranoid about missing the sound of drones and helicopters when he breaks the silence. You said this is where they made you. You mean, it's where you got the serum? It's where I did basic, Loop says, turning on the innocuous-looking gravel road that'll take them to the base where I got selected to be the first test subject for the serum. They did the actual injection in the city. I think, honestly, that Sladar wasn't big on coming out to the boonies. He was never at camp. He did work for the army, but I think the army looked down on him a little. We're not enlisting, you know. He was only a couple years older than me and Taco. Him and Dr. Andrews had their lab set up in New York. It feels weird going back. I didn't realize Camp Lay was still standing. I'm sure they used it again after the 40s, Kravitz says. 
The military doesn't like to give up land. Right. And it's weird to think about that. Everything else has changed so much. Sometimes she hates New York because how different everything is. But this is the one thing she wishes had changed. Some part of her went down in the plane thinking that would be it for war. Thinking she was ending it once and for all. It seems silly and idealistic now, but at the time, it had felt good, felt right. Nobody'd need the perfect soldier in the world at peace, and Taka was gone, was waiting for her, so... Lube stops their stolen car, a gray Toyota Corolla, mid-2000s. According to Kravitz, innocuous enough that it was unlikely to get pulled over by cops. Lupid had to drive also to decrease their chances of getting pulled over, because the world really hasn't changed as much as it should have in seventy years. She switches off the engine and looks up at the chain-link fence and locked gate in front of Camp Lay, sporting the large no-trespassing sign. Beyond the fence, the camp looks the same. There are some newer buildings, but an army training camp is an army training camp. It looks like it would just take some dusting to start sending kids off to war again. Yeah, okay, this is creepy as hell, she says. I wish they'd torn it down and put up a McDonald's or something. Kravitz snorts. I wish they'd build another McDonald's at this historic site isn't a sentiment you hear often. Some history deserves to be demolished, Lupe says, and gets out of the car. She grabs her shield from the back seat, sliding it onto her arm. She walks up to bash the lock off the gate as Kravitz gets out to join her, drawing a gun from... somewhere. Luke's known Kravitz long enough now to just assume he's got several knives and at least one gun on his person at all times. Maybe Barry was wrong about the origin point, Kravitz says, following Luke into the camp. It doesn't look like there's been anyone here in years. This might be a false lead. Luke doesn't want to have driven all the way to Jersey for a false lead. She looks around for any sign of change as they walk through the empty camp, and her eye catches on a bunker. The kind munitions are stored in, except that munitions shouldn't be so close to everything else. Army regulations forbid the storage of munitions within 500 yards of the barracks, she says, gesturing at the bunker with her shield. That is in the wrong place. Kravitz's eyebrows raise, and he nods towards the building. You want to do the honors? Loop is honestly glad for the chance to smash something else. Shield being corrupt is... Davenport had helped found Shield. Davenport and Dr. Andrews had given her a chance... After Taco managed to get her 4 F'd, Davenport had argued for her being in charge of her own team, had given her opportunity after opportunity when nobody else would, 
shield should be his legacy, should be untouchable. She brings her shield down on the heftier lock keeping the bunker closed until it gives way and wrenches the door open. There is a staircase inside, leading down, and as they stand in the doorway, fluorescent lighting flickers on ahead of them, one at a time, illuminating the path. Creepy, she says, and steps inside, leading the way down the stairs. At their base, there's a vast expanse of empty office space, bare desks and filing cabinets, shelves that hold nothing but dust, waste paper baskets with nothing in them. It's like someone packed up expecting to be back one day and never got around to it. Shield's logo is embossed on the far wall with a portrait on either side, one of Davenport and one of Sadar Hallwinter, Barry's dad. They're both older in their photos than they are in her memories. Davenport's red hair is going gray at the temples, and Sadar looks a little more sedate, a little more serious. She stays where she is, in the middle of the room, staring at them, as Kravitz moves past her to investigate. He tugs a few filing cabinet drawers open and makes a face. Empty, he says but I think this is where S.H.I.E.L.D. got its start. It's old mid-century office furniture, fifties and sixties. Yeah, Loop says, and gestures to the portraits. That's Davenport and Barry's dad. They founded this place. Kravitz glances up at the portraits, tilting his head. I haven't seen many pictures of Davenport. He kept out of the spotlight mostly. Loop says. His life was the mission. He wasn't into the glory for glory's sake. Kind of butted heads with the brass about the whole cap thing after Dr. Andrews was killed. Not a fan of using you as a showgirl? Kravitz's lips are quirked into a smile, but it's one that's a bit too careful. Like he's reading her and basing his reactions off of hers. Loop rolls her eyes. You don't have to tiptoe around me. I'm a big girl. I really thought S.H.I.E.L.D. were the good guys, and now they're... I don't know. Now someone at S.H.I.E.L.D. is maybe steering them wrong. She glances around the room again, and her eyes snag on one of the lights on the far side of the room. It's covered in cobwebs. They're all covered in cobwebs. But the cobwebs on this particular light are moving. The stagnant air in the room says there's definitely not much in the way of ventilation or airflow down here. Loop crosses the room and prods the shelving in front of the light. Bingo. I found something, she says, and then wedges her shield between the two seemingly built-in shelves and pushes. They slide apart, revealing a metal elevator on the other side one that's newer than the rest of the room. Almost, but not quite, modern. A secret elevator, Kravitz says, voice flat. Of course, there's a secret elevator. Intelligent agencies really don't know how to be subtle, do they? 
Loop laughs and hits the call button because if the electricity in the place is working on the lights, maybe it's working for the elevator too. Spy tropes had to come from somewhere, right? Hiding a secret elevator in your hidden bunker seems a little like overkill, Kravitz says. Let me go first. Absolutely not, says Loop, and walks in as soon as the doors slide open. The elevator takes them even further underground, doors opening up to a dark room with air that somehow feels fresher than the air upstairs did. The light takes longer to come on, though, and when they do, the room is... massive. Massive and full of metal boxes, covered in what looks like big film reels. Bank after bank of them. Loop looks at Kravitz for an explanation, because she's got no clue what the fuck they're looking at. Computers, Kravitz says. Early computers, but there's no way this kind of technology doesn't have a USB port. This is weird, but it's not what we're looking for. The weird old computers definitely aren't running. There's no sound in the room other than the faint buzz of the lights as they walk through the room to a central terminal made of monitors and keyboards, all of which look far, far older than the port for the drive, even to her. There's a port on top of it that's shiny and new, a port that definitely looks like it's meant for a USB drive to her. Uh, Krav, she says, pointing. You sure this isn't what we're looking for? Kravitz looks at the port for a long moment and turns to her distinctly unimpressed. This is a trap, he says. We shouldn't put the USB in that. Probably not, Loop agrees, but we're gonna. We are. Kravitz pulls the drive out of his pocket and walks up to the computer, sticking it in. As soon as he does, the room fills with the sound of hundreds of reels starting to whir as the machines slowly and steadily come back to life. The monitor in front of them flickers on, bright green text on dark green background and a prompt appears on the screen. Start program, Y, N? You're in charge of explaining this decision to Barry, Kravitz says, and types in three letters. Y, E, S. Loops about to say Kravitz gets to tell Barry why they didn't even have the option of calling to ask about the definitely evil computer program when the camera on top of the monitor perks up and swivels in place, observing Kravitz first, and then focusing on her. Taco Loop, says a hauntingly familiar voice. Born 1920. Static flickers over the screen under the camera, forming into something that looks like a face, one with too many eyes. The camera turns to look at Kravitz. Asset Kravitz, 
Born 1944. Kravitz twitches in place beside her. Loop glances at him, frowning. Did this machine just say your name is Asset Kravitz and that you're 70? What is this? Some kind of recording? Kravitz has plenty of secrets, sure, and maybe she's a bad friend for not knowing his birthday, but he's 30, max. Given the shit that he does for a living, probably younger. High-stress situations are probably aging for normal people. I am not a recording, Captain. The computer sounds almost smug somehow, self-satisfied. I may not be the man I was when you took me prisoner back in 1945, but I am surprised that you do not recognize me. And then it clicks. Why the voice sounds familiar. John. Correct, after a fashion. John says, and he sounds pleased, even though he's a computer. Even though that shouldn't be possible, because sure, Barry's got Jarvis, but Barry's a future super genius who programmed him. John was a weaselly little Nazi, hunger scientist. A real person who wasn't nearly as smart as her boy. You know this thing? Kravitz asks. He sounds tense. Loop isn't used to Kravitz sounding like anything in front of an obvious enemy. If there's one thing Krav's good at, it's fronting. John Aufsteidende was a German scientist who worked for the Red Skull, she says. He was trying to recreate Dr. Andrew's work. He's been dead for years. I was Swiss, John says, mild and congenial as ever. Look around you, Captain. I have ascended past mortal human concepts like death. The man I was received a terminal diagnosis in 1972. Science could not save his body, but it could save his mind. It took 200,000 feet of databanks, but you, Captain, are standing inside my brain. You are inside the heart of the hunger. None of this makes sense. This is S.H.I.E.L.D. This is the birthplace of S.H.I.E.L.D. How did you get here? Luke demands. Who brought you here? I was invited, John says, as if that makes any sense at all. Operation Paperclip, says Kravitz. The Americans, S.H.I.E.L.D., recruited Nazi scientists with strategic value after World War II and brought them over, gave them new identities, wiped their records. They thought I could help their cause. I also helped my own. Lube's blood runs cold. What John is implying isn't possible. They'd stopped this. She stopped this. The hunger died with the red skull. You cannot destroy what consumes its attacker. 
The image on screen flickers, shifts to the hunger's logo, with tendrils out to assimilate stray pixels shooting towards it. The hunger was founded on the belief that humanity could not be trusted with its own freedom. That free will is merely an extension of the disease of consciousness. That there is no logical point to choice. But during the war, Captain, we did not realize that when you try and take people's supposed freedom, they resist. The same way a throat gasps for air in a vacuum. The war taught us much. Humanity needed to be blind to its own surrender. After the war, S.H.I.E.L.D. was founded, and I was recruited, and the hunger gradually ate S.H.I.E.L.D. from the inside out. For decades, the hunger has been secretly feeding crises, reaping war. <laughs> John laughs. It's a mechanical simulacrum of his light chuckle, an airy, almost musical wheeze. When history didn't cooperate, history was changed. Loop doesn't want to believe this. She can't. That's impossible, she says. S.H.I.E.L.D. would have stopped you. Accidents happen, says John. Accidents can be made to happen. The hunger shaped a world so chaotic, so feudal, that humanity is finally willing to sacrifice its freedom to gain its security. Humanity is finally willing to see the futility and the pain of conscious existence. Kravitz grabs Loop's arm, and she hears him distantly say they should go that John's giving them too much for this not to be a setup, But Kravitz doesn't understand. She shakes off his hand, eyes locked on the monitor, showing clip after clip of newspaper headlines and news footage. War and assassination, and death and grief, turmoil and chaos. Just like John said. You joined us as well, Captain. We won. Your death amounts to the same as your life, to all life, a zero sum. Loop smashes her shield against the monitor, right in John's many eye, the green face, because he's wrong, he's gotta be wrong. And for a moment, it's satisfying, seeing the broken, dead screen, and then a second monitor switches on. As I was saying... John sounds somehow even more acclimal now. Loop wishes she could bring him back to life and see how superior he feels after taking her shield to flesh and bone. She turns to his new monitor. What the fuck was on that drive? She asks. What did you do? Project Insight required insight. So the hunger... Wrote an algorithm. What kind? She demands. What does it do? The answer to your question is fascinating. 
You always had a good mind. It's a pity we couldn't help you, Captain. There's a mechanical click behind them, and Loop whirls around, throws her shield just in time to hit the side of a pair of heavy steel doors as they slide shut in front of the elevator. She catches it when it bounces back to her. Kravitz curses beside her. I told you we should leave, he says, and snatches the drive out of the port. John is still fucking monologuing about how this is the best death they could hope for, and all life is pain or some shit. And Loop's not. They're in a bunker, so it's gotta be something big headed for them. A bomb, maybe. But it'd have to be something S.H.I.E.L.D. could clear and use easily and stealthily, so nothing too big. When she wished for the camp to be gone, this wasn't what she meant. There's a grate in the floor. Ventilation for John's many databanks, the source of the fresh air in the room. Luke grabs Kravitz and runs towards the grate, yanks it up and away, and pushes Kravitz into the small hollow beneath it. She jumps on top of him, raises his shield over both their heads. Okay, I should have... The building explodes around them. Rubble and fire rain down, smashing against her shield as Everything shakes apart. Luke pulls Kravitz close to her chest, tries to shield him from the destruction around them as the bunker collapses in on itself, heavy reinforced concrete and steel falling, crashing. It's loud, 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 like the world is ending. And then it slows. And then it stops. She can smell burning, but nothing else is falling on top of them. Her shield arm aches, and when she looks down, Kravitz is unconscious against her, his dreads full of concrete dust, but he's still breathing. Loop heaves, and manages to push the rubble on top of her shield off to the side. She lets go of Kravitz so she can reach up and find the next layer of debris can begin the slow process of extracting them from the rubble and getting them back to the car. She doesn't know where they're going to go, but they're going to need to move before S.H.I.E.L.D., before the hunger, comes to check on them. Damn it, Crab, she murmurs, lifting a solid slab of concrete up and tossing it aside. She's not thinking about brain injuries and other things she can't spot with the naked eye. Not thinking about the damage Kravitz might have taken in the explosion. You better wake up soon. I may be Captain America, but this is gonna suck. End of chapter 5